0: Hi, I'm Paul Jay. Welcome to the Analysis News. Please don't forget a year-end fundraising campaign. I guess what is that campaign? Me asking for you to donate money uh, at the end of the year uh, as you look at your tax situations. We are a 501c3 in the U.S. And if you're not in the U.S., well, I guess just do it because you like what we do. Be back in a few seconds with Tom Ferguson. We're going to talk further about the perfect storm gathering. In the 2022 and 2024 elections. So I'm continuing my discussion with Tom Ferguson about a study he's done of the 2020 elections and what that tells us about 2022. Thanks for joining us again, Tom.
1: Well, I'm glad to still be here, Paul. <laughs> okay.
0: Just one more time. Tom's a professor emeritus at the University of Massachusetts Boston, director of research at the Institute of New Economic Thinking, and a senior fellow at Better Markets. Uh, in your the quote from your document, which I read, I thought it made a very important point, which is the, the elites, especially as you have done the analysis, uh, the the interests of fossil fuel. Uh, private equity on Wall Street, who were big supporters of Trump, and of course not only them. There was really amongst uh, for the tax cuts and the deregulation, broad support for Trump. Uh, but yeah, a lot, a lot, or most of the elites bailed after he refused to have a peaceful transition of power. I've mentioned a few times on air how the uh, National Association of Manufacturers, one hour after the doors of Capitol Hill were breached. Have a press release calling on Pence to invoke the Twenty-Fifth Amendment to remove Trump. So the the elites had already decided Trump had gone over the edge. They got what they wanted out of him, and now they wanted him gone. But they certainly didn't bail on the Republican Party. And and you've done a very important analysis about how much money affected the congressional election and how that might happen again. Yeah.
1: Look in that. Yeah. Though. In our paper, we we toward the end we asked the question, why were the results of the presidential race so different from the congressional races? Which you know, right up to the very moment of election day, uh, I was reading in paper after paper how the Democrats were blowing away the Republicans in uh, fundraising and that this was gonna lead to all kinds of triumphs in the election. Now, uh, look, we've been here before. We had been here before in particular because my colleagues, Jorgensen, Chen and I, have we, we, were, we had just finished an analysis of 2016 where you could see uh, with like three weeks to go, you know, the chances of the Republicans taking the holding on to the Senate were vanishingly small. Actually, in October, you could buy a, a, a betting contract that would get you for about seven bucks, get you hundred dollars. That's how little people thought their chances were uh, of of doing that. You know. Um, and in the end, a, a flood of Republican money as we documented that, that brought saved the control of the Senate for the Republicans. Now that linear model of spending, which we developed, you know, is right. It just shows in every election after election. And um, I thought at the time that they, people were underestimating the amount of late money that was going to come in uh and that the thing would not look nearly as imbalanced as lots of people i dare say including some people you might even have interviewed paul uh were telling you that the you know business was abandoning trump not just this is before the election after the election it is as you said um and uh, I didn't believe it. But, you know, you, there's not a whole lot you can do except wait and see what happens. Well, we have since analyzed the the money. And yeah, the standard formulas uh, proved out again, which was uh, the Republicans actually spent heavily. Well, they uh, raised roughly equal or more than the Democrats. Uh, they They ended up holding on to their positions in the congress much better than people had thought you know and you know start with political money exactly as you suggested for why in congress uh things didn't work out the way they did in the presidency um There's probably some more to say about policy there, too, but we're still working on that. But it's fundamentally, you know, it's just a straightforward prediction. If if you'd had known the total amount of money, you could have predicted it. We didn't at the time because there's a review mirror in the reporting requirements, and that's no accident. Um, So, uh, yeah, political money is still powerfully directed toward Republicans. And one may add corporate Democrats, a point we didn't spend a lot of time on in that paper, but which you have to unless you're a.
0: Uh, Tom, break down what that money does. what, ex- what is that Why does money so effective? I mean, is, is it advertising, ground game or all of the above?
1: Well, I don't know. I'm sort of thinking on this one. Sort of remember the old Hubert Humphrey apocryphal line: "Do we have to? Cho- we don't have to choose between jobs and pollution. We can have both." Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, the ground game, uh, advertising, uh, people on the ground are clearly, I, I think, pretty important. You know, we uh, in another paper, Ben Page and I, and several other authors. Um, showed that uh, the strong ground game or, or something, something in those states that had only, that had Senate elections in 2016, that helped Trump in those final weeks when he was looking like a loser too. I mean, there's a kind of reverse coattails effect. So I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, it's hard to partial out. TV coverage and things like that, partly because of me- data on media markets. is usually across political jurisdictions that you'd like to segment. Uh, and while people try all kinds of clever uh, devices to get around them, they're not, I think, particularly convincing. Um, but I mean, it can it be really that surprising in 2021 that a lot of money helps people in politics. A uh, you know, pattern that- But 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 Tom Tom, did, did the Republicans
0: outspend the Democrats in the congressional races?
1: As I recall, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it was certainly nothing like the lot, grotesque imbalance. Um, it was fairly close, but my memory on this is is that they did. Um, So um, and so, they ended up, you know, strong, much stronger in the House, and they held, they held the Senate until Trump proceeded to shoot himself in the foot by going down to Georgia and talking mostly about his stuff instead of the Republican things. I mean, um,
0: if money is the determining factor, and the Democrats and Republicans spent more or less the same amount of money on the uh, congressional races. Why did the Republicans do as well or even better than the Dems, given how complete screw up the Trump presidency was, especially at least on COVID? Okay,
1: well, Paul, look, the the basic story is really straightforward here, I think. Uh, It's not that the Republicans did so wonderfully. Uh, it's that they did far better than what people were expecting them to do. And that is a fairly straightforward story. The claim was all before the elections by any number of people who should have known better um, that the Democrats were going to vastly outspend the Republicans. When you actually sort that out, which, you know, Paul Jorgensen, G. Chen and I did, uh you find yeah, the Democrats did indeed outspend the Republicans, but not by that much uh, by relatively small amounts in both the House and the Senate. Now uh, the difference this makes is well look what happened, uh, which is that they won um, the, the Democrats won um, more seats in the Senate uh, than they had. They won you know some but three and um, more. Uh, And um, in the House, they held on to their lead. I mean, they didn't lose, uh, but they didn't do nearly as well as they expected. You know, I mean, the short, simple answer is that, yeah, money really matters. And their money advantage was nothing like people were expecting. That is the whole story, in my opinion.
0: And is it also partly that sections of the elites that pump tons of money in the elections Well, the sections, not all by any means, as you point out, not fossil fuel, not agriculture, but certain sections didn't really want Trump back, but they quite liked the idea of a a Biden presidency with a strong Republican uh, presence in in the House and the Senate.
1: I think that's absolutely true. And look, what I what. People, but my old neighbor in Princeton, who was—I actually knew the Republican leader. I may have used this story before, but it can't be repeated too often. I actually knew him a bit, and he was a top corporate uh, official. Um, and he used to refer to George Ball uh, Democrats. George Ball was um, a, a very celebrated Democrat who actually performed quite creditably uh in especially Vietnam in Lyndon Johnson's administration. But uh, he voted Republican in local elections. I and mean, that, that kind of combination use is, is very, very common. Um and uh yeah I that's just an extreme version of what you're talking about. Yes indeed. Um that's look you know, just the basics of the situation. Yeah. So
0: in terms of twenty twenty two, um while well- it's pretty clear the the preponderance of the elites, not all, but a lot of them bailed on Trump the individual, although he's still got a long list of billionaires that are uh, showing up and paying homage and kissing his ring, or uh, politicians certainly are kissing the ring, and billionaires still want to rub shoulders. But the preponderance of the financial sector and others certainly wanted him out after he lost the election. But what, what, what does that mean now in terms of 2022? Because uh, the, uh, is the preponderance of the elites going to be behind the Republican
1: Party? That's hard to calculate and tell me. I, I, my reading is that Trump is pretty much poison to large chunks of former supporters. They'd rather they need trump light. Uh, as it were are Trump different I think your the, the, the fabled uh, Virginia governor's race that was just run uh, shows you the wave of the future um, that was the candidate there was a um, former Carlisle partner uh, Youngkin, and he was running not and he was running with a black, lieutenant governor, though not formally on the same candidate, though not formally on the same ticket, because they're separately uh, elected there. Um, and he was obviously, uh, there have been, you know, he was carrying on about critical race theory in the schools, which isn't taught in Virginia schools. On the other hand, there have been plenty of problems about the schools. And here, let me just sort of this is worth a moment's notice. Lots of things went wrong in American schools over the last year or two. And there, in many cases, it'd be hard to apportion the blame except at the top for being so unresponsive. But like you can't, hardly blame teachers who've been told to go get Uh, online and teach online when they have never, you know, many of them have never even had that kind of equipment available, and students who had not. I mean, I talked to a college president, uh, president of a college association who dealt with mostly historically Hispanic uh, universities, and he's just said many of our students, we gave them computers, and they had uh, they didn't have electric power. Uh, pardon me. Sorry, not electric power. They didn't have broadband uh, that they could use in their houses um, and things like that. So I'm not suggesting at all that you, know, you start pinning the blame on teachers. But schools have had lots of trouble dealing with this, and they have now they've got some money, but they you know they're promised a new checklist. I saw in the Biden. They they need very specific guidance. Um, on ventilation, and they need uh, a great deal more quick uh, releases so they can spend the money on like tests that matter and things like tests that can be useful and are cheap instead of their legacy providers. And that people are moving way too slowly on this. Anyway, bottom line on this, Paul, is this, is that the critical race theory, I think, is the only discussion about school problems that's out there. But people know there have been colossal failures in the schools, and they're often at their wits' end. You know, mothers, in particular, because uh, they get most of the daycare responsibilities, are you know, even in affluent neighborhoods, complaining that you know that uh, say the teachers call in sick and things like that. Now that's not very surprising because nobody's done very much uh, to sort of protect uh, teachers all that much from COVID problems, and so. Uh, and now we're out of the situation where your medical bills uh, were being picked up uh, by various government programs, although the, at least the cost of the tests, I guess, Biden is now going to pick up. Uh, but uh, anyway, this is just to say that uh, you're looking at yeah the perfect storm. It includes a mess in the schools that nobody is dealing with seriously. Uh, and, or even trying to understand, you can see how what's happening is a mass abandonment of schools. Um, there was a headline in the Boston Globe that the total number of people in the Boston schools had dropped below 50,000. You know that you're not going to be. Uh, what's happening is that people with means are walking out on a colossal basis, um, and uh, this is not that. People need to fix this quickly. Otherwise, you're going to get into a downward spiral of fewer and fewer people in them, bigger and bigger problems. They're not getting fixed. Uh, and, you know, we sort of have run this thing in the 1970s uh, and before, actually, but especially since the Supreme Court decision that said you couldn't transfer, uh, that basically ensured you couldn't. Uh, use uh, richer areas money for poor for poorer urban schools that milliken decision of i think 74 um cemented real inequality in an awful way in in, in urban core uh, areas um, people got to deal with this and the democrats got to deal with it and my what i i don't see anything coming out of the department of education here that begins to deal with that um and uh you know they gotta they got they gotta set standards as well as hand out cash and they need to sort of break these lock jams of historical bureaucratic requirements which block you from uh cheap accessible tests and they gotta do it in a hurry um so this is a mess now, but now coming back to your point what is the Virginia race you know if you read uh, let me just walk you through this this is very important and it's been almost Not completely misrepresented, I have to say. Look, I you know I don't like the American media, but the Washington Post did a decent job on it in the end. Over time, Uh, I think the New York Times has not uh, basically. uh, Not to mention other periodicals. The original claim was that critical race theory or education was the dominant impact. It was the dominant influence in the Virginia election. When you look at the polls, it wasn't. Um, it is perfectly obvious when you actually asked voters, um, while say about 25% said education was what determined their vote, the party spread on that was quite narrow. It was like six or seven points. In other words, there were almost as many people on the other side uh, going there. Whereas the folks who said the economy... Or something like 35%. And if you throw in taxes on that, uh, it's another 12 or 13%. There are only just a couple of polls there. Um, so 47% are basically just voting a straight economic issue. When you look at what, uh, as, as a first choice, I mean, they could have other considerations too. When you look at what the governor candidate from the Republican Party is saying, He says cost of living is his number one issue, and they pound away on that. Now, Virginia has an old, uh, it's been an issue for years and years in Virginia, uh, that um, you have a tax on food, and uh, populist Democrats uh, used to recommend abolishing that. Well, suddenly you get a former Carlisle partner pushing that in the Republican Party. Now, that's not race, and he's running with a uh, black woman uh, lieutenant governor candidate. So, not surprisingly, you could, I mean, the, uh, both black and Hispanic votes moved uh, a bit in the Republican direction there. Um, you can read critical race theory as a dog whistle, which is, I think, what it is, since they're not teaching it <laughs> in Virginia. Uh, that's just, you know, there better be. Yeah.
0: Never mind not teaching, and nobody knows what the hell it is.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, but you know, if you take a different approach to it, I mean, like in the Loudon County, Loudon County definitely had real trouble in their school system that I think uh, wasn't about critical race theory, but was about some very dumb policies occasionally. I won't, but I'm not claiming to be an expert on that. Uh, but the bottom line here is cost of living um, and and I should add of of the people who mentioned the economy as a oh something like a, a huge majority of them went republican. Uh, and you know, the turnout was a little different too. It was more slightly more white, slightly more evangelical, but not hugely. my my take is is that inflation is a potential, really problematic issue for the Democrats in twenty twenty two. And I say that because when you actually, it's true. A number of folks, Claudia Sam and people like that have said very simply, look, they people got a lot of money from Biden when he came in to tide them over. And that's true. It absolutely is true. The big bang that Biden started out with was fantastic, as a, and he was hugely popular. But, you know, COVID, inflation, and Kabul, to sort of use three code words, have made them look terrible. And they're almost comatose the way they're not responding and messaging uh, very much on this stuff. It, it's like these people can't seem to multitask uh, much at all. They're just responding slowly.
0: So we're going to do another segment, and we're, uh, we're going to dig into some of the other uh, really important issues raised in your paper.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: All right, thanks again Tom and thank you for joining us on the analysis.news.